Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, listen to what the Word of God says. Dear friend, I pray that you may prosper in every way and be in good health physically, just as you are spiritually. I want to continue talking to you about our theme this year from a sermon titled, Get Serious About Getting Healthy in 2017. Pray with me. God, we thank you for being serious about loving us. We thank you for being serious about our redemption and the price you paid for our redemption. God, I pray now in Jesus' name that you would speak to us from your word. Guide us by your spirit, God. Teach us what you would have us to know. God, I pray that you truly would give us ears to hear you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Every Gospel message is the same around the world in as far as the people receive it. Some people receive it well, others don't. Some people take it in like it was good, and others, eh, it wasn't that great. Some even, eh, it wasn't good for me. The message is always the message. The preacher is always the preacher. How you receive it is up to you. See, a hungry man will eat anything you put in front of him. And I hope that you're hungry for the word of the Lord today. I hope that we all realize we need God to feed us. We need God to instruct us. We need God to guide us. And as we look to his word today, I know that he is going to do that. Our theme for 2017 is getting serious about getting healthy. You talk about getting healthy to the people of God, guess what the devil wants them to be? Unhealthy. God's a creator. The devil's an imitator. God takes stuff for good. The devil tries to use it for bad. But I want us to continue this whole year focusing on these five different levels that I've been talking to you about for a long time. Not just getting healthy physically. That's only one aspect of your life. We need to get healthy spiritually. We need to get healthy financially. We need to get healthy emotionally. And we need to get healthy in our relationships in, in Proverbs 11, verse 25, listen, listen to what the Bible says about prospering. The generous will prosper, semicolon. Always pause on the punctuation. Break the Bible down into bite-sized pieces where you can take it in, digest it, understand it, and apply it to your life. The generous will what? All right, let me see who else is listening. People, there's a certain type of people who prosper. What type of people are they? Okay, so if generous people prosper, guess what typically happens to stingy people? They they decrease. They don't prosper. Do you realize the root word of miserable is miser? Some people, I mean, just squeeze a dollar. So Listen, it don't matter how hard you squeeze it before you put it in the offering plate. I mean, these people unwrinkling dollar bills back there in the counting room. Some people look like they were holding on to it for dear life right before they let it go. That one dollar bill is not going to be missed by you that much. And if it is, keep it. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. 
I want us to learn how to be more generous in 2017. I, I look, look back, 3 John 1, 2, our verse for the whole year. Dear friend, I pray that you may prosper in what? Every way. God wants you to prosper in every way. God wants you to prosper in every way, including money. Say money. But not just money. He wants you to be in good health physically. He wants you to be in good health spiritually. The Bible tells us we need to have good relationships, and we need to have our mind stayed on the Lord. But the Scripture declares plainly in Proverbs eleven twenty five that the generous will prosper. You want to prosper? You, you want to do better? You need to learn how to be generous, not just with money. If you're generous with kindness, guess what you're going to prosper in? You reap what you sow. If you plant apple seeds, you grow what? If you plant orange seeds, you grow what? If you plant tomato seeds, you what? It's just how it is. You reap what you sow. So if you are generous in kindness, if you just go giving out kindness, there's a Johnny Appleseed with the bag just slinging kindness out everywhere you go, guess what's going to come back to you? There is something being taught in the earth today by supposed spiritualists, supposed gurus, supposed in-touch people with their zen and their chi. There's, there's biblical principles that are being plucked out of the Bible, given different names, and celebrities are grabbing onto it and claiming it's the key to life. Listen, don't take something out of the Bible and give it a different name and give somebody else the credit for it. There's something going on right now. There are more books being written right now, more videos being recorded right now, more money being made right now around this one single biblical principle that has been plucked out and renamed, and they're calling it the law of attraction. The law of attraction. I, I've even had my kids ask me about the law of attraction. And what? listen, whether it's Oprah Tom Cruise or everybody in between, they want you to know that if you'll just ask the universe for it, the universe will give it back to you. Listen, the universe don't have ears, but God has ears, and he says his ears are open to the prayer of his children. <laughs> ask the universe. There ain't no universe to ask. What's the universe's name? How are you going to call somebody you don't know who they are? But they're, they're teaching in this law of attraction that whatever you put out, into Mother Earth, she'll give it back to you. Whatever you release. This is just a biblical principle of sowing and reaping. Plucked out and renamed. Why? Why would spiritualists want to take something out of the Bible, put a twist on it, and try to brand it as their own? Because at least, they, at least they're smart enough to know God's Word works. The Word works if you work it. Do you realize that it didn't say generous people who are saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost go to church nine times a week and can quote 300 verses of Scripture will prosper. It said generous people prosper. This works on every level. This, if you are generous with your time, you will find out that you have more time than you felt like you used to have. But that's all a misnomer. Time management is a misnomer. You can't manage time. I've told you. We all only get 24 hours a day from the ditch digger to the president. But if you be honest with yourself, some weeks feel like you just ran out of time. And other weeks felt like you accomplished much and had time left over. But you have the same amount of time. It's all about how generous you're being. If you're generous with love, 
love is going to come back on you. If you are generous with friendship, friendship. The Bible says if you want friends, you got to show yourself what? Friendly. You got to be friendly to get, you got to give friendship out to get friendship. Jack Hayford wrote a great book called The Key to Everything is Giving. And it sounds like it's a money grab, but it's not. Because he talks about give away friendship, give away love, give away decency, give away respect, give away honor. John Bevere picked up off Hayford's book, and he, he wrote a book t- about honor and giving honor. It was just a pluck out of Jack's book about give whatever you want to come back to you to give it out. And now they're coming with this law of attraction. Listen, I don't care about the law of attraction. I don't care what spiritualists are plucking out trying to rebrand. I know this. God's word is true. And God said that what you give out is going to come back to you. So here's what you need to do. You need to see what you got going on in your life. And then you need to look in the mirror and realize, that's what I've been giving out. Now, that's not to say that sometimes the enemy's not going to throw stuff at you that you didn't sow. That's not to say that sometimes a curveball's not going to come your way. But by and large, you reap what you sow is always going to work. Put that Proverbs eleven twenty five verse back on the screen. We're just going to Bible study this morning like it was a Wednesday night. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I have... My own certain idiosyncrasies. That's a, a, a big way of saying weird. I, I got things that are weird about me. You got things that are weird about you. I eat out more than anyone you know. Believe me. If anyone eats out more than me, they need help. When I say my children and I eat out every night, I'm not just saying that in a roundabout way. That's every single night we go out somewhere to eat. So I see a lot of people eating out. I do business lunches with business people. I eat dinner every night with my kids. And I've noticed one thing about the way most men tip. Tip, right? That's the money you give after hopefully they didn't spit in your food. I think we ought to give it up front. Tip, what, to ensure proper service? We're giving a waitress a tip after the fact? I mean, it can't bless her. I mean, it can't motivate her to do better now. You leave it going out. But anyway, that's a, that's a different story. But I've noticed how most men in restaurants tip. Seems to me, check me if I'm right or wrong, that a lot of guys tend to tip gorgeous waitresses bigger than non-gorgeous waitresses. Are you, can you believe that? See, but because I eat out every day, and we, uh, we eat out anywhere from Waffle House to steak and seafood. It, it doesn't matter to us. But it seems like to me that that's what I see going on. So I like to move in an opposite spirit because I believe many times we need to learn to move in an opposite spirit. The world says, you know, you go out and get all yours, but God says, no, go make it happen for somebody else. The world says, you take care of you. God says, no, take care of other people. The world says, stack it up. No, God said, give it away. A lot of times God's ways are different than other people's ways. So number one, if, if a woman's going to be impressed by, by a big tip, that probably ain't the right one. Anybody hearing me? That, 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 that's just good advice. But because we eat out so much, I see what servers go through. I see how hard it must be to be on your feet all the time. 
trying to get everything right, the cook messing it up and you getting blamed for it. So let me tell you who I, and, and it's not uncommon. I'll leave a $100 tip on an IHOP bill. I'll leave a $100 tip on a Waffle House bill. But I've never left, oh, Lord, I don't want to say this. <laughs> One of them might be in here. I typically don't leave. If I ever left a $100 tip on a Waffle House bill, it was typically to a woman who was older, who was struggling, who was a little slower than her co-workers, who wasn't getting treated right by everybody else. Why? Because she needs it more than anybody else. Don't, don't be like the world. Don't, don't give to people that everybody else is giving to. Look for somebody that needs, needs a blessing. I mean, be, be free with your giving, but try to find somebody that you know needs a blessing, and you be a blessing. Because the more you'll be a blessing, the more God will allow you to be a blessing. Some people, listen, if your testimony is, well, I don't have anything to bless people with, it's probably because God knows you wouldn't. Well, see, they got quiet there. They got real quiet right there. I'm telling you, if you, the more you brag on God, the more God will give you to brag on him about. The, the more you be a blessing, the more God will trust you to, with blessings to be a blessing. Because I am convinced that God wants us in the realm of finances to operate like funnels. God wants to pour it into us so we can pour it out on somebody else. If you take what God pours into your life, not just in money, but in goodness and kindness and love and joy, and you just hog it all to yourself, you're not generous with that. You're not refreshing others with what you have, then your funnel is messed up. And once the funnel gets clogged at the bottom and it's not pouring out anymore, eventually nothing else can go in the top of it. So I want you to free your funnel up in 2017. I want you to be a free-flowing funnel in 2017. I want you just to be wide open at the top so God can just pour all of his goodness, joy, righteousness, peace, finances, blessing on you so you can just go out and spread refreshment everywhere. Would you like to be able to be a blessing to somebody? you got to learn how to operate in these in these principles of blessing, you got to learn how to get to a place where God can actually help you financially. Because the book of Haggai talks a lot about money. See, preachers hate to talk about money because so many people say that's all they ever talk about at the church is money. You can check my tapes. Here, here's what I preach about more than anything else. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, how to live for Christ, and how to endure to the end. Check every message I've got. You're going to hear about the cross. You're going to hear about holiness. And you're going to hear about enduring because all the promises of God are to those who endure. But the scripture speaks a lot about money. And in Haggai chapter 1 verse 6, God talks about a group of people that, that try to put money, try to hoard all their money in their pocket, but he puts a hole in their pocket and makes it go away. Make it a couple degrees cooler in here. For, so I, don't, I, I got that fever getting back on me. God said he put money. He said you make money and you bring it home, but you put it in pockets with holes in it and it goes away. I've sat down with so many people to work with them on their budget, and if you look at the amount of money they bring in and they're like, Pastor Scott, I don't understand it. Over here it looks like we, I, I got money coming in, but it just never seems to stick on the bottom line. You know why? Because you got a hole in your pocket. 
The Bible talks about in that same chapter in verse 9 of Haggai 1 it, about a group of people that try to stack money up, but God blew on it and blew it away. I want to tell you, it don't matter how hard you try to cover it. You know, you, you working outside, which I don't know why you would. I like store-bought air. But if you're working outside and you got your, your paper spread out on your picnic table and the wind starts blowing and you try to stop it from blowing away, you might be successful stopping the wind from blowing your papers away. But when God on your money, you can't stop that. We got to learn how to stop having holes in our pocket. And we got to get money that God won't blow away. So we can stack money up to the heavens and give it out to everybody that needs it. And then stack it up and give it out and stack it up and give it out. We got to get to a place in our life where we are so blessed with joy that lost folks say, I want what they got. We got to get to a place in our life where we're so blessed with peace of mind and just okay with life that lost folks say, I want what they have. We got to get so blessed financially that lost people are like, I don't know what's going on there, but I need what they got going on. One of the greatest testimonies we've ever had as a church in the area of giving came from a lost man by way of his wife. She was one of the biggest givers in our church, and he was, was not a church dude. But so, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, all about, giving all the money to the church, but as time went by, he found out the more she gave, the better off they did. And, and here, here was the testimony. One time things were getting, she told me, one time things were getting a little tight. He, he saw the, the bank, and it was a little lower than he wanted it to be, and the first question he had for her was, now what you've been doing with the money? Why, why we He's like, you're still giving to the church, ain't you? Why? Because even as a non-church man, he realized, that the principles of God work. I'm convinced that people, it's not always that you need to make more money. Let me give you some basic finance principles right now. If you don't have enough money, there's two things in the natural that you need to do. You either need to find a way to make more or spend less. Does that make simple sense to you? Don't make sense to our government, right? That's why we're $20 trillion in debt because they just keep spending more and spending more and not making more. But you got to either make more money or you got to spend less money. Well, what happens if you are in a position where you're not making any more money and you can't figure out how to spend any less money? Guess who the only person left you can call on? God. But God is able. Do you believe that? God, you need to start walking around telling yourself, God is able. Especially when you don't see it working, God is able. Especially when you see stuff falling apart, God is able. Especially when people start giving you bad testimony, God is able. Especially when people start, y'all getting cold in here now. I, I see, hey, bring a jacket, wear short sleeves. That's what I'm telling you. Bring a blanket if you need to. And, and, and short sleeves too because it get cold in here and I get that cold air in the back of my throat and we got to cut it off. Listen, God is able. Do you believe that? Then why are you worrying about everything? We need to get to the place where not only do we believe he's able, but we see his ability operating in our life. Of course God is able, but is his ability manifesting in your life? Or are you scratching and clawing and struggling on your own? Of course God is able, but is his blessing flowing through you? Or are you out there scratching and clawing 
on your own. The Bible says that money is a strange thing because if God don't bless it, it'll make itself wings and fly away. I've had seasons in my life like that. I've had, I've had years in my life where I made literally hundreds of thousands, of, not in the church. I never paid $100,000 in the church. Listen, I've had years in my life in business where I made hundreds of thousands of dollars in one year, and it just, easy to do in business, right, Jimmy? Yeah, I mean, that can just, it, it can find a way to get gone. I want every one of us in 2017, and I'd love to see it happen in your life as early in 2017 as you're willing to let it get healthy financially. We need to get healthy financially. Why? Because the Bible says money answers everything. Ecclesiastes, the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon said, money answers everything. Now, he wasn't being literal there. He, he, he was being figurative there because most things can be answered by your money. You're like, well, Pastor, why do we got to talk about money? Why can't we just preach on prayer? Because nobody wants to pray. Pastor, why do we got to talk about money? Why, why, why can't we just preach on holiness? Folk don't want to live holy. Well, Pastor, why do we got to talk about money? Why can't we just preach on feeding the poor? We feed the poor every week. Come get involved in that. I want you personally to start experiencing the blessing of God. I want you personally. And listen, the bottom line is, if we went around and asked everybody what their biggest need in the room is, some people right now, I want me and my kids to stop passing the sickness back and forth. Uh, I mean, that, that really right now is the biggest need we got going on. Hearing people coughing in my house 24 hours a day is about to drive me crazy. I'm asking them, did you take that cough medicine? Let, let's get this thing knocked out. But if we went around and asked people, what, what's your biggest need? Do you know the majority of people would say something regarding finance? People are hurting and struggling financially. Go ahead and cut that down because everybody's about to, you know, go get turn the heat on in the car. It's just hot in Florida. I miss the cold. I, I wish it could be cold. I wish it could be wearing them jackets wishing it could be cold. I had a different message for a different crowd. I want you to get to a place where you're not worrying about money because I've seen what worrying about money does to people. It messes stuff up. And we, we need to be saved, sanctified, fire, baptized, and filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to be praying, and we need to be ministering to the poor. We need to be loving God and loving people. But how many of y'all know, if that money monster is on your neck, you think about that. You go to bed thinking about it. You wake up thinking you can be just as saved as you want to be. You get that money monster. Hey, if you're hiding both cars from the repo man and only one of them fit in the garage, huh, you start asking the neighbor, uh, is your garage cleaned out? I just think about parking the Honda over there, man. I ain't trying to hurt nobody. It, you think about it, and it messes with everything. So I want to see how we can make money that won't fly away. And I promise you, preachers do hate preaching about money because nobody wants to hear unsaved people say, I went to church, and I needed to hear about Jesus, and all they talked about was money. Jesus is the whole message. Jesus, money's just a byproduct. What, what we need more than anything is Jesus. You need to be saved. You need to go to heaven when you die. I'd rather you go to heaven a after this life broke as a joke than, 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 than go to hell with all kinds of money in your pocket. I'd rather, I'd rather you go to heaven with nothing financially than go to hell. Li and listen, because the truth's the truth. When, when, when the dude at the funeral leaned over and asked his friend, Man, I want, that dude had a lot of money. I wonder how much of it he left. Guess what his friend said? All of it. 
All of it. Same amount I'm leaving. All of it. Same amount you're leaving. All of it. We can't take it with us, but we need to get to a place where we're not stressed about money because God wants us to be blessed and he wants us to prosper. The thing about it is, though, if you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. And that's why the Bible is so important that we read it all the time because the Scripture has the answers for life. The Scripture has the answers that will help us in whatever area we need help in. Spiritual, financial, physical, relational, emotional, every area of life the Scripture deals with. And the Scripture says that we have these stories for our examples so we can learn from them. So I want us to look at a New Testament example this morning, and I want us to learn from God's holy word. Listen to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to look at some verses in Philippians. It's our book of the month. I love the book of Philippians. Probably my favorite New Testament book unless I'm reading 1 John which is probably my favorite New Testament book unless I'm reading James, which is probably my favorite New Testament book unless I'm reading Mark. But, I mean, Philippians is just a great, it's only four chapters. It's just a little over 100 verses. I want you to read the book of Philippians this month. In Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at a few verses starting in verse 10, and we're just going to try to pluck out some truth. And I want you to follow with me today so we can all learn something. Say learn something. In verse 10 of Philippians 4, The Apostle Paul is talking to Christians in a city called Philippi, and he says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again, period. Boy, that's a good statement for a preacher to make. Because if you think you know what it's like to be stabbed in the back by people who used to be your friend, uh, you ought to talk to a real preacher. And, and find out how many people he sat by in hospital beds, how, how many people he came out of his pocket to, how many people he helped that put a knife in his back. Paul, Paul said, I just praise God that you're concerned about me again. You see, we all were concerned about somebody, but are you still concerned about who you used to be concerned about? See, love is not designed to stop. Love is not designed to be for a minute. You talk about people who are Mr. Right and Mr. Right now. Listen, if, if, if they're right now, they ought to be right forever. If you love somebody, love is enduring. And he said, I praise God that you're concerned about me again. He said, I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now, there were times where they helped him, and there were times where they didn't have a chance to help him. Listen at verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now, here's the thing about Scripture. you got to read it and try to understand it. Sometimes it's literal. Sometimes it's figurative. Sometimes it's just making a point. He says, not that I was ever in need, comma. Now, let me ask you this, and don't get, don't get churchy on me. Just, just be honest as a human being. You think there was ever a time in the Apostle Paul's life where he had a need? Of course. Of course. Hey, but he said there was never an overwhelming need. There was, there was never a need so drastic is, is what he said. Of course he had needs. We all do. He said, but I was never in a huge need way, for, for I've learned something. And we all need to learn this. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. That's the first big point. This morning, be content. Be content. I'm going to tell you, even though money answers a lot of problems, money will not always buy you happiness. Now, I do love what Dolly said, though. 
when they told when they told Dolly, well, I guess you've learned that money won't buy happiness. She scratched her head and she said, well, I I get I, I don't know. I can tell you this: it sure buy you nice clothes to wear while you're being depressed. <laughs> Dolly said, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. Listen. Money can do a lot of things for you, but it can't do everything for you. There are just as many, if not more, people committing suicide with money in the bank as there are broke folk. Too many people think, well, if I could just get here, if I could just get there, if I could just save this much, if I could just get that much, if I could just make this much, if I could, if I could get a better this or a better, you think that things are going to make you happy, but they won't. You won't get real happiness until you start being happy where you are. If you learn how to be happy where you are, then you can be happy where you're going. But if you're not happy where you are, it doesn't really matter where you go because you're still going to be there. That's why I tell people all the time when they say, Pastor Scott, I'm thinking about moving across country and starting over again. Just start my whole life all over again, somewhere different. I say, well, you know, that sounds good on the surface. But the problem with that is wherever you move, that's where you'll be. If you're not happy where you are, you're not going to be happy where you're going. We got to learn how. The, put, put verse 11 back on the screen for me. We got to learn how to be content with whatever I have. Good days, bad days. Happy days, sad days. Up, down, all around. We got to learn how to be okay. Listen, I have lived in, in, in a broad range of homes. Some of y'all, some of y'all know. There's a lot of difference between that trailer in Clay Hill and, and that mansion on the lake, wasn't there, Michael Fash? There was a lot of di- there's a lot of difference between living in a mobile home on a dirt patch with not a sidewalk or a scrap of concrete anywhere on it, just walking in mud all the time, to living in a 5,000 square foot brick house on a private lake. There's, that's a broad, broad range. Now I don't live there anymore. Hallelujah, because I got tired of paying bills, but. I've lived in a, and I can honestly, before God, I can tell you this for sure. No doubt about it. God be my witness. I've never been happier any time in my life than the time I spent living in that mobile home. The greatest time I, I, I built, I, we, before Gail died, we built our dream home, sold it to Deacon Jimmy. We, we built our dream home on a double cul-de-sac, all brick, with a, with, they, they call it a, 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 a waterfront. It's a ditch with you know, mosquitoes in it. But it was our dream. We, we, uh, uh, but looking back on it, we had nothing, but we weren't stressed out financially. i tell you what we had. We had a $363 a month mortgage. Ain't that all right? We had a, my property taxes is more than that right now. We had a $363 a month mortgage, and we were happy as sissies in Boys Town. I mean, we we were just, y'all all right? I'm just trying to see if anybody's awake. I know what it's like to have a lot of money, and I know what it's like to not have a lot of money. And I can tell you, it doesn't change your level of content. The value of the stuff you have doesn't change. Now, contentment is a mindset. You just got to decide, this is where I'm at. Some of y'all are trying so hard to run away from where you are, you can't be content where you are. And God's trying to teach you a lesson where you are. And if you keep trying to short-circuit the lesson, God's going to make you take the test again. 
Some of y'all ought to be tired of running this lap one more time. Some of y'all ought to be tired of taking the same test over and over again. Do you know the Hebrew people took what should have been an 11-day journey and stretched it out for 40 years? We need to learn the lesson early. I want us to get these things. Let's let's learn how to be content. I've told you before, if you can't be happy in a single wide, you don't deserve a double wide. If you can't be happy in a studio apartment, you don't deserve a penthouse apartment. If you can't be happy in a starter home, you don't you ain't gonna be happy in a custom home. It's just, hey, in many ways, the, the more the more you have stuff, the more stuff has you. Can you be content where you are? That's when you're gonna find real life. Verse 12, Paul said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Paul had seen it all. He had seen where churches were really giving and the needs were met. He had seen it where he was starving and everybody turned their back on him. And he said, I'm, I'm good because I know God's got me. And if you know God has you up or down, you're going to be able to say, hey, Whatever, whatever comes my way, I'm going to be all right. Second big point today, God's favor is not always seen through abundance or lack. Paul was the most blessed man on the planet in the first century after Jesus was raised from the dead. The anointing of God was on Paul's life. God used this one apostle to write half the New Testament. This one apostle started more churches than anybody else in the first century. The anointing of God was on his life, and there were times in his life where he had abundance. And that's easy for me. Ooh, look at God blessing Paul. Oh, it must be. Look at Paul. Big belly, stomach full, living large. Got everything. But that same crowd would turn on him when his stomach was empty and he was hungry and he had nothing and say, mm, God must not be happy with Paul. God, isn't it weird how church folk do you? Let, let, me, let me give you a real quick lesson on church folk when we get out of here. Church people, if they are going through struggle, if they're going through problems, it's because they're so, so spiritual and so godly and so awesome that the devil is battling them. But if you're going through problems, it's because you're mean, evil, and wicked, and God's trying to pay you back. Don't look at somebody's external situation and think you can read favor or, or, or non-favor. God, God's favor is not always seen through abundance. Just because somebody's rolling in money don't mean they're blessed. And just because somebody's on bottom don't mean that they're cursed. It's more about what's on the inside. But I'm going to tell you this. I've been blessed on the inside with money, and I've been blessed on the inside without money. One's easier. If you can't figure it out, see a dentist. I don't know what he can do for you. Listen to verse 13. I need you to all get this. Philippians 4.13. Y'all, y'all remember Tebow got the NFL to change the rules because he was writing Phil 4.13 on, on Phil 4.13. And people were like, who is Phil? Phil, before Deacon Cliff and Julie retired and, and moved up to the mountains to sit on a mountain and think about God, uh, their, their youngest son, we just called him Phil. His name was Troy, but he was such a Tebow fan. Anyway, different story. Off this verse, Philippians 4.13, Paul said, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 
I believe this is the most misappropriated verse in all the Bible. I believe this is the most misconstrued verse in all of the Bible. I believe this is the most misclaimed verse in all of the Bible. Because Paul didn't say, I believe you can do everything. He said, I believe I can do everything through Christ. This verse is not a blanket verse for every Christian in the world. Many times in this little book of Philippians, he talked about what he could do and what you could do. Many times he talked about what God was doing in him, and many times he talked about what God was doing in others. This is not a verse for all Christians. See, every verse in the Bible is real, but it's not all real for you. You know, there's some books in the Bible, there's, there's some verses in the Bible that a- apply only to Old Testament Israelites. They, they don't have impact on us. God, God delivered us from that. We don't have dietary law commandments. Stop listening to these people talking to you about dietary law commandments and festivals and feasts. God, God said Jesus was the fulfillment of all that. So, so that doesn't apply to us. All verses in Scripture are applicable, but they don't all apply directly to you or to me. And this verse does not apply to everybody who's saved. This verse does not apply to everybody who claims the name of God. Well, Pastor, I know it applies to me. I can do all things through Christ. Can you stay current on your mortgage? I see people walking around claiming I can do all things through Christ, and and they're on more medication and seeing more counselors just to try to keep peace of mind. What, What is it that you really can do through Christ? This is not a verse for every Christian. It's a verse for Paul. And some other Christians. Why? Because if you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. What, 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 did, what did Paul have? Paul had a life that was sold out to God, and he was content on top or on bottom. Now, if you get to the place where you are sold out to God, living and dying for God every day, and you're just as content on top as you are on bottom, then you can start plugging into verse 13. But if you don't do what they did, you can't have what they had. This is what Paul had. Read it. Read it in context. If it, I never go. He told me I can't do all things through Christ. Well, I tell you what, fly. Climb up on the roof and dive off. This verse is being misconstrued by too many Christians. Paul could do everything through Christ who gave him strength. Why? Because Paul was walking as a wide open funnel with the full, full favor of God on his life. And I want you to know that Paul said, follow my example and do what I do. Now, if we follow the life that he lived, we can have what he had. Now, I believe that you can get to the place where you can do everything in Christ. I believe I could get to the place where I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, but not if I'm working in my own strength, not if I'm not content in what I already have. You got, you got to get to the place of blessability with God, and everybody can't claim this verse for real. You can put it on your eye black. You can get it on a T-shirt, but to really walk in it takes something. Third thing we got to understand, Paul was talking about himself. When he said, I can do all things, he was talking about himself. Now, God says he's not a respecter of persons, and what he does for one, he'll do for the other. God don't play favorites when it comes to children. If Paul could do everything through Christ, then we can do everything through Christ that gives us strength. But we got to get ourselves blessable. we got to get ourselves in a way that he was in a way so that the blessing of God could strengthen us so that we can do everything that we have to do. Verse 14 says, even so, 
You have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. I told you Paul was talking about himself. Who does he look like he's talking about? You have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Now, the same dude that just said, I never had a need, now says he got a present difficulty. Now, if all this was literal, you'd be like, I think he needs help. He probably needs more rest. I don't know what's going on. He said, he did. listen, Paul was in a place of financial need at this time, but he knew he could trust God. And he knew if it came in, he was going to be all right. And if it didn't come in, it was going to be all right. He said, you, he was talking to the church at Philippi, talking to church people saying, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. If you had to say of yourself, I've done well financing ministry with what God has trusted me with financially. I've done well sharing my finances in ministry. You, you, you would be fitting into this passage of Scripture. Verse 15, Paul said, As you know, the Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. If you study the book of Philippians, read anything any commentator wrote summarizing the book of Philippians, you'll find out that the book of Philippians is written in the most informal language of all Paul's letters. He wrote this to friends. He didn't write this teacher to student. He didn't write this lecturer to lecturee. He wrote this to his friend. The Philippians were closer to him than all those other churches around there. Why? Because they were down with him in the hard times. You ever had anybody there for you when it was hard? You ever have anybody share something with you when you didn't have nothing and you knew they were giving to you part of their last? Remember what Jesus said about the widow. She just threw in a couple of pennies, but he said she gave more than everybody else because she gave out of her need. When you get somebody, if you ever find somebody that you knew was down for you and they were willing to share their last meal with you, then you've got somebody there. Paul had that in the Philippians. He said, nobody else. Y'all, the only ones that, that did for me like this. Verse 16, he said, even when I was in Thessalonica, you helped send, you sent help more than once. Thessalonica. I'm almost done. Don't sleep on me. Thessalonica. What book of the Bible do you think applies to those people? First and Second Thessalonians. Guess what the Christians in First and Second Thessalonians that lived in the city of Thessalonica. Guess what they should have been doing when they're with their money when Paul was doing ministry in their city. They should have been supporting gospel ministry. Guess what they weren't doing. They were not supporting gospel ministry, and the church at Philippi had to catch up their slack. This is what he said. Even when I was in Thessalonica ministering to them, y'all were the ones paying my bills. Y'all were the ones sending me money and helping make up the need that I have. So I'm going to tell you who can't do all things through Christ to strengthen them, them cats and Thessalonians. They don't fit in this passage. They don't get these blessings because he wasn't telling this to them. They, they, didn't, they weren't supporting him the way the people in Philippi were. He said, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help to me more than once. Verse 17 says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Now, this is where preacher Paul kicks in. Because he knows, oh, well, I've said more than three things about money. Now they're going to say he wants my check. Uh, and that just preacher always trying to get in my pocket. I'll tell y'all the same thing I tell y'all every time. I get the same check 
every Tuesday, set in stone, no matter what the offering is. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to be just as blessed next week as I am right now, no matter what we do as a church today for the offering. It's not that I'm trying to get a gift out of you, but I can honestly say God is my witness. I want to see you receive reward for your kindness. I want to see you get blessable. I want to see you get in a place where you don't have to struggle for, where I don't see that strained look in your face because I know money's keeping you up and that you don't have enough money at the end of the month to make it stretch right. He said, I'm not saying this to try to get a gift from you. I want you to get a gift. Fourth thing, the giver gets the reward. If we could ever start believing what the Bible says, well, Reverend, you know it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Yeah, I do. Try it. You find that out. But you won't find that out until you try it. The Bible says, the, Paul said, look, this works. And y'all been working it. They ain't working it over in Thessalonica. But y'all have been working it. And it's not about how much food I've got to eat. It's not about how much money I've got. It's about you being faithful with your stuff, supporting gospel ministry so that you can get a gift, so that you can be blessed. I do not believe that pastors should be driving vehicles, flying planes, and living larger than everybody else in the community. I don't believe that's right. I don't believe they should be broke. The Bible says you ought to take good care of them. You, you, ought, you ought to make it easy on them so they're not up late at night wondering how they're going to eat. But all, all these preachers preaching to poor churches, flying in private planes and jets and wearing $5,000 suits. I'm up here preaching to y'all in blue jeans. I, I'm, 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 I'm driving a, a truck with 193,000 miles on it. I'm not trying to get your money. I'm trying to get you to a place where you can get a gift, a reward, a blessing for supporting ministry. But if we don't start coming together in agreement on some things in 2017, we're not going to get healthy. Verse 18, he said, at the moment I have all I need. I ain't trying to get y'all's money. I got everything I need. I'm trying to get y'all blessed. This is what he's saying. At, at the moment, I got everything I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. How about that for a 50-cent word? <laughs> That's a long name. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. He said, I'm still living off that offering y'all gave me. A week and a half ago when Epaphroditus brought me the check. I'm still living off that. I'm not needing anything right now, but I'm trying to see y'all blessed. He said, that money that y'all sent with Epaphroditus, who was a messenger from the church of Philippi to Paul, he said, that money you sent me is a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable, get this, and pleasing to God. I'm going to close y'all out on this. What, what was it that pleased God according to this verse? Anybody know? What, what, what was the sacrifice that they gave? Money. The money that they gave to support gospel ministry was acceptable and pleasing to God. You want to know what you do when you support ministry financially? You are giving an offering that is acceptable and pleasing to God. You are supporting 
gospel ministry. You are helping us feed hundreds of families in this community. You are helping us do ministry and take the love of God around the world. You are keeping the doors open on a place that wants to be a difference maker and a change creator. You are helping finance a ministry that is so different from every other backwoods, redneck, black militant church in this racist city that we live in. I don't see what I see right now going on in other churches on the west side of Jacksonville or the north side or the south side or Mandarin or anywhere else. When you support a ministry, we had 19 people raise their hand last week, say they prayed to receive Christ in this church. 19 souls snatched out of hell going into heaven. And you're helping make that happen. That is a sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Last verse I'm going to read to you. And this is the second, if not the first, most misconstrued verse in all the Bible. Most misappropriated, misclaimed verse. Both out of the same passage. Paul said, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Here's what people say. This is what people quote. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. That's what it says in the King James Version. My God shall supply. No, it says my God shall supply all your need. Whose God was it? It was Paul's God. This is what he's saying. The God that takes care of me. The God that got me wearing designer clothes. The God that got my light bill paid. The God that got me living in a paid-for house, driving paid-for cars. The God that got me with money in my pocket and no stress on my finances. The God that got me taken care of financially will step in and take care of you if you fit in this passage. Everybody don't fit in this passage. Everybody, well, I ain't going to give no money, support gospel ministry. <laughs> support me. Show us a need. Get out there and start changing your world. We'll find a ministry for you. We'll finance you. So we'll, put you we'll put your banner on the back wall and give to you. We got to be serious about supporting ministry. Why? Because it's only those. Here's the big takeaway out of it all. God takes care of all the financial needs. Put that on the screen. Y'all ought to have this last thing on the screen. God takes care of all the financial needs, listen, of those who generously support ministry. You say, Pastor, you're just trying to preach the sermon for an offering. I'm trying to get you blessed. I'm trying to get you to where you can say, Paul's God's going to take care of all my needs. The God of the Bible is going to take care of all my needs. Why? Why did Paul tell them this? Because of their faithful generosity in supporting ministry, they stepped into a position of blessability where they could be con convinced. Because Paul said, you ain't got to say this for yourself. I'm telling you this. And he's the apostle. I'm telling you this as the apostle. My God will supply your financial needs based on your faithful support of gospel ministry. The Bible says God prospers those who are generous. Stop believing you'd give more if you had more. Start giving more so you can get more. 
farmer looking out there. Man, I sure would like to grow some tomato. I, if, if I had some tomato seeds, I'd grow some. Listen, you got to plant something to grow some. And I want to see you healthy. I've already preached several messages this year about getting healthy spiritually, getting healthy emotionally. We're going to continue to talk about health in 2017. Listen, it's just as important that you get healthy in your relationships as it is that you get healthy in your finances. But finances play a big part in it. Do you know even Jesus had five women? It's funny that in a generation where women were overlooked, in a generation where, where women were dealt as second-class citizens, that there were women on the side that were financing Jesus' ministry. He could have got money out of fish's mouth, and he did at times. But do you know where he got his regular support for ministry? A handful of women that were dedicated to supporting ministry. You know what's supporting most ministries around the world right now? A handful of women that's dedicated to supporting ministry. I want men to lead in every category in this church. I want women to preach. I want women to teach. I want women to pray for the sick and raise the dead. But I don't want men sitting back letting women do everything. Man, you need to get right with God in your money. You might be straining your family's finances because you're not as giving as she is. You might be straining your family's finances, lady, because you're not as giving as he is. But I know this. If you want more, you got to give more. And you can't get further than where you are by doing what you've been doing. They say the definition of sanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. We need to do some things different in 2017. We need to get more spiritual. We need to love God more. We need to love people more. And we need to get ourselves in a position where we know. See people walking around talking about, well, I don't have my bill money, but I know God's going to take care of all my needs because the Bible says so. No, Paul said to a group of people that were faithful in giving that his God would supply their needs based on their faithful giving. I want God, I want the God of this book to supply all my needs. That's why I'm going to keep giving the gospel ministry. I had people, I had somebody come to me one time, they came into some money. They said, Pastor Scott, you're the most financially blessed person I know. I got a little bit of money, first time in life. Where, where would you want me to invest it? I said, well, me? I'd invest it in the church. Oh, preacher, you're trying to get my money. Where, where would you really want me to invest it? I said, no, you're not hearing me. I didn't say invest it in me. It's against the law for me to put my hand in the bucket. I see churches where pastors take their check out of the bucket. That's against the law. We don't do that here. We have a board of directors. We have people we answer to. We, 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 got, we got books that get balanced by CPA. This ain't about me. This is about us together as a church family getting healthy. Because when one of these missionaries come here and they say, we, we need $13,000, to finish off the hospital wing so these kids with, with, with leprosy can get better health care. I don't want to have to look at, at, at the administrator and say, do we have any money in the bank? I want us to be a funnel that is just blasting out money everywhere it's needed. I want to give more money to the Philippines, to Africa, to Ecuador, to Belgium, to India, to Belize, to Romania, to Belgium, all over this world. I want people to know just like them. Guess what them Thessalonians had to know? Well, we ain't doing it, but them people in Philippi, boy, they step up. 
You know, every week we have people come to our food and clothing ministry and take food from us that go to other churches. And when I ask them, do you get any help from your church? Oh, they don't do that there. They said they're in a building fund. They don't feed hungry people because they're in a building fund? Yeah, that's what churches come to in 2017. Guess what? Their funnel is closing, and our funnel is opening. Their funnel is closing, and our funnel is opening. It's not, a, it's not a mystery that we've already broken 15 years worth of records in the first few weeks of 2017 in the number of people that we're feeding and ministering to in this city. It's not a mystery that God is enlarging our capacity. It ain't about putting more people in the seats. God is enlarging our capacity to do ministry with who's already here. As we faithfully give, and he just keeps giving, and we keep giving it out, and he keeps giving, and we keep giving it out. I want the whole world to know what them Thessalonians knew about those Philippians. There's a group of red, yellow, black, and white folk off Firestone Road on the west side of Jacksonville that are going to keep giving to God so hungry people can eat and poor people can have something. And as we give, God says he'll give to us. Listen, you're here and you ain't worried about money. You don't want to hear all this. You're hurting on the inside. You got issues. You got addictions. You got problems that you can't face. We all do. And the same God that helped us can help you. The same God that saved us can save you. You don't have to walk an aisle, shake a preacher's hand, pray some magical prayer. There's no magical prayer in the Bible about how to get saved. God said if you will call on him. He will save you. That same word for salvation is used numerous times for the word, our English word, deliverance. It's not just about getting saved. I don't call on the Lord to get saved. I'm already saved. That same word is is translated deliverance in many places. Call on the Lord and he will deliver you. Wherever you need your help. The psalmist was able to say, I called on the Lord and he heard my cry. And I tell you this, the same God that was listening then is listening now. Let's get healthy in 2017. you got to start by being saved. If you're not saved today, call on the Lord. He'll save you. If you are saved, get on with it. Get on with it. Start reading your Bible. Start praying. Start giving. Start getting involved in ministry. we got a charge to keep and a God to glorify. we got a bunch of hurting people all the way around this church. And we're not just coming in here to hide from the world inside these four walls. We're coming here to take the gospel and the love of God to this whole city. Can anybody agree with that? Hallelujah. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring about us. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for everyone in this room who is unsaved, that even though the topic may have been different for them today, that they will know that you love them and that you sent your son Jesus Christ to the cross of Calvary to die for them. God, I pray that you would expose yourself to them, reveal yourself to them, draw them by your spirit to your love. God, I pray for every Christian in the room, God, that you would open our funnel wide, that you would let us be big receivers on the top end and big givers on the bottom end. God, I pray that you would begin to expand our reach and enlarge our borders. God, I pray that you would increase our capacity to show your love to the world. God, I pray your blessing over your people. Go with us. Guide us. Use us for your glory is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. A better life.
Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.